Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. It's Wednesday, November the 17th. Coming up, why our food shop has got more expensive and the Gillingham manager reacts to their exit from the FA Cup. But first today, nine insulate Britain protesters have been jailed for breaching an injunction aimed at stopping them from demonstrating on the M25 in Kent. Now, you might remember they took part in a blockade on the motorway last month after that injunction had been imposed in September. Well, the campaigners are aged between 20 and 58 and have been locked up for between three and six months. Tracy Malahan is from the group and read a letter on their behalf. Here it is in full. Over the last nine weeks, 174 ordinary people have held our government to account asking that they deliver on the most basic of their duties, and that is to protect the British people, the economy and all we hold dear for our society. Your government has now chosen to act, and it's chosen to imprison us rather than meet the demand. By imprisoning us, the government shows its cowardice. They would rather lock up pensioners than insulate their homes. They would rather lock up teachers than create thousands of proper jobs. They would rather lock up young people than take practical steps to reduce our emissions. They will lock us up and leave thousands to die in the cold this winter. We knew we would face prison when we took this action, but we cannot stand by while this government betrays the general public. Following the widely recognised failure of our government at COP26, we are continuing to ask them to get on with the job of cutting carbon emissions, of insulating cold and leaky houses, of protecting the people of this country from climate collapse. Because the lives of our children and those of all future generations hang in the balance. To the government, we say you can't imprison a flood. There are no unlimited fines against a famine. You can't bankrupt a fire. To the public, we say no one is going to save you. In the past, when governments have failed to protect their people, the right thing to do is to highlight the injustice, breaking the law if needed. This is what the suffragettes and Martin Luther King did, and it is what Insulate in Britain has done. We call on you to recognise you also have a duty to act, as our government is betraying us. They can't even act on Insulate Britain. What hope do we have of them protecting our children, our economy or our country. Well, it's fair to say their protests have been rather divisive. Some have applauded the disruption they've caused, while others have found it incredibly frustrating. Lots of you are commenting on our socials today. Here are some of the posts we've had on Facebook. Mel Caton says, Good, don't listen and disrupt others' lives, then bear the consequences just in time for Christmas. Whereas Gore Edwards has said, Absolute joke. Middle-aged Greens should be applauded, not jailed. Rob Cull says, Hardly warrants a custodial proper criminals don't even go to prison some of you have suggested the sentences aren't long enough while angela evans has said shame all the cop leaders who refuse to take climate change and global pollution seriously aren't jailed for their actions well you can of course continue to let us know what you think by leaving a comment on our socials today and you can read the story at kent online kent online news other news for you today and a really sad update on a story about a man who's been missing from kent for more than 
six months as we're told his body has been found in Oxfordshire. 29-year-old Doug Carroll from Tunbridge Wells disappeared in April and his vehicle was later found in Berkshire. His death's being treated as unexplained at the moment but it's not thought to be suspicious. Two people have been arrested after a teenage boy was stabbed in Canterbury. The 17-year-old, you may remember, suffered extensive injuries at a property in Edward Road a week ago and is still being treated at a London hospital. A man and woman who are in their 40s were detained in the capital and remain in custody. The ambulance service that covers Kent has declared a critical incident following a significant IT issue overnight. CCAM say staff are working extremely hard as they continue to respond to patients. We're being asked to consider using alternatives to 999 unless it's absolutely essential. A Home Office Minister has admitted more still needs to be done to stop asylum seekers crossing the channel to Kent. More than 23,000 people have risked their lives making the dangerous journey in small boats so far this year. Well, Tom Persglove has been speaking to a committee of MPs today and given them an idea of the current situation. What we are seeing is that small boat arrivals is becoming the route of choice um, for facilitations by evil criminal gangs. Um, These smugglers are becoming more audacious. Um, We are seeing riskier behaviours. We are seeing bigger boats deployed. We are seeing a wider array of crossings originating from a wider stretch of coastline. For example, um, in the earlier days of this happening, we were seeing um, crossings being mounted from around a 50-kilometre stretch of coastline. We're now seeing that from a much wider stretch of coastline, around 200 um, kilometres. That is, of course, um, very troubling. And what we've seen is small boats being deployed rather than use of other clandestine routes that were more common in the past. Clandestine Channel Threat Commander Dan Omani has also been giving evidence in Parliament. I think we shouldn't underestimate the, the challenge that French law enforcement have here. Um, because of the COVID restrictions on travel, many of which are not yet lifted, this um, single uh, uh, method of entry is now deepened and intensified and has become so profitable for criminals that it's going to take a phenomenal amount of effort to, to shift it. Now, j- just to illustrate that, two weeks ago we had a single boat with 88 migrants on, on board across, across the channel. Each one of those migrants might pay say, €4,000 for that crossing. A quarter of a million quid's worth. About €350,000 on that boat. So at a 50% interception rate, which is roughly what we're seeing at the moment, criminals are always going to take that chance. Because even half of €350,000 is a lot of money. They've both said they're working more closely with French authorities to tackle the issue. You can also read reaction to this story from Kent Refugee Action Network at kentonline.co.uk. They have repeatedly called for safe routes to be made available for asylum seekers. Kent Online reports. Police have charged two men who are thought to be involved in the wholesale supply of drugs across Kent and the South East. Officers have been investigating the trade of hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of cocaine and ketamine. A 33-year-old from Lower Halstow near Sittingbourne and a 26-year-old from Marden near Tunbridge due at Crown Court next month. There's going to be a documentary on TV tonight about the murder of a young woman in Medway by her stalker ex-boyfriend. 23-year-old Molly McLaren was attacked by Joshua Stimson after leaving a gym at Chatham Dockside in 2017. They'd initially met on Tinder but Molly ended did the relationship after a couple of months of dating. Here's a short clip of tonight's programme. 
Joshua Simpson goes into the gym and he waits beside the door to the room in which he's in. He then goes in. Molly sent me a message with a picture of Josh saying that he'd turned up at the gym. My instant reaction was something's not right. He'd turned up at dinner the night before, now he'd turned up at the gym. And she went, Mum, he's just turned up. He's just turned up at the gym. And I said, you've got to be kidding. She said, how would he know I was here? I said, just ignore him and just come home. Just come straight home. They speak and she asks him whether he's following her. Stimson from Waldham is now serving a minimum of 26 years in prison. Social Media Murders is on ITV2 from 9. You can also watch it straight away on ITV Hub. A homeless man's described how he stood and cried after his tent was vandalised in Medway. Neil had his food, belongings and medication stolen after setting up a campsite in Woodland near Raynham. He's now worried for his safety but is getting help from the Gillingham Street Angels charity. You can read the story in full on the website. Now, it may well be that when you hear phrases like the rate of inflation, you immediately turn off. However, we are going to talk about it now and tell you why it is so important. Figures today show it's at its highest level in almost a decade. Data has revealed living costs rose 4.2% in the year to October, up from 3.1% the month before. Now, it's largely down to rising energy costs and petrol prices. And as well as it being more expensive to pay for gas and electricity and fill up your car, you might have noticed your weekly food shop has gone up in price too. Well, back in January, my Kemp family editor Lauren Abbott did a £30 shop based on the government's budget for two children eligible for free school meals. It was to see just how much food and how many meals we could get for our cash. Well, we've done that same shop again today. Lauren, what did you find? That's right, Nick. Many people might remember the pictures that circulated at the start of this year when a mother homeschooling her children and in receipt of free school meals shared an image of the government-funded family food parcel that she'd been given. And in response to those pictures and using that same £30 budget, we were able to buy more than 30 items um, that included fresh fruit, vegetables, some meat and dairy products, and it cost just over £26 at the time. Now, using that exact same list, we return to the same supermarket today. But unsurprisingly, that same haul of shopping does not any longer come in under the £30 as it did 11 months ago. Now, while there's been the odd surprise, um, we saved 30p on a bag of clementines, for example. Many foods on that original list um, now are costing more. Um, among them is pasta, which was one of the worst offenders, where the smallest bag I could buy today was 79p. And that's um, more than 20p than it was during our initial haul back in January. Honey roast ham and sausages were also more expensive. The tiny pack of eight sausages we bought initially is 11p more expensive today. And more money has also been added to the tinned items that we had, such as fruit, tuna and baked beans. And bananas and salad tomatoes also, also dented our budget a little bit more this time around. Now, with that shop, we always tried to avoid the buy one, get one free offers or any of the bigger promotions so that we could see exactly what each individual item was costing. 
And with the exception of our original choice of bread and crisps, most food was all of also available to buy today. And I think that would be reassuring to shoppers as we edge closer to Christmas, considering the amount that we've read recently about supply chain issues. That said, the price of this original lockdown shop came out today at more than £31. Um, so there's around a five-year difference, which definitely would reflect today's announcement of an inflation rise. Thanks ever so much, Lauren. And Lorraine Schultz from Medway Food Bank says this could lead to many people having to choose between paying for food or heating. We would rather not be here as a food bank. Our job is to do ourselves out of a job. We believe everybody should have the dignity to have enough money themselves to be able to choose their own food. But that is so unlikely to happen this winter for people who are already struggling. So yes, we think there are many people who are facing real difficulties. I went to a family a couple of weeks ago at the end of the day, so at the end of my day here, um, our volunteers at Carney packed a parcel for this family. When I got there, all the family had their coats on and I just saw mum and dad, it was one of those cold days. So mum and dad were at the door with the three kids inside. They said the kids have got their coats on and I was the one bringing their dinner for that evening in a few carrier bags of food. So life is very difficult for people. They've just been rehoused very quickly into Medway, knew nothing, knew nobody and didn't have any money. Life is very hard for people. And this is going to be the topic of conversation on the lowdown on our Facebook Live tonight. We're asking on socials if your weekly food shop has gone up. You can head to Facebook to comment. You can also get involved when the programme is on tonight from six. We've also got a full explainer on Kent Online on what inflation rates are, how they're worked out and what they mean for you. Kent Online reports. Plans have been revealed for a new lorry park between Seven Oaks and West Morling. The 24-hour facility in Rootham Heath will have space for nearly 200 HGVs along with a petrol station. There have already been several objections from residents and you can see the proposed layout of the site on the website. A jeweller who was attacked by masked men during a raid in Tenterden has described it as an awful experience. Jeff Moss and his staff were closing the white store on the high street when hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of jewellery was stolen. He says they've had a lot of support from the community since reopening on Saturday and police are still investigating. Meantime, almost nine in ten shop workers have been verbally abused in the past year, according to the results of a survey seen by the Kent Online podcast. Trade union Usdor has released the details as they call for more to be done to protect staff. Almost two-thirds have said they've been threatened by a customer and around half felt reporting it wouldn't make a difference. Keith Jones is from Sittingbourne and represents retail workers. Full disclosure, I actually work on a distribution site. Um, I don't actually work in a store myself, um, but because of my position in the union, um, I speak to a lot of people within the retail environment. And this is how, this is the reason, and this is the reason that I've picked this up and I've started to run with it is because of what I've been told. And I don't know how they keep going because I feel angry enough and it's based on the, you know, the accounts of what has happened. Now I'm angry enough just hearing the accounts. If I, if I was to witness it or be subjected to it, I don't know how I'd feel. You know, there's people being spat at. Um, a recent one, um, someone threatened to kill somebody in my local petrol station. Fortunately, there was a police officer in the queue, so that guy was arrested, but that was more luck than judgment. And it's, yeah, I, I mean, there are that we have lost a lot of staff who have said, you know what, it's not worth it. 
and they've left and they've gone to do other things. And we're losing experienced staff, staff that have a rapport with not, if you like, normal customers who are polite and respectful. They've got really good relationships and they've they've left the industry because of it. It is, you know, that we need to give this protection to people. And you know, we've got one of my colleagues from the National Executive is talking at the House of Lords when they have the debate on that in the House of Lords, because the House of Lords has proposed an amendment to put this into the bill. So there's people from companies like the co-op, the management side, we've got our national executive member is, is speaking to give a reason why this should be done. And I think if people thought they had the protection, then they would report. And then we would see the real scale of the problem because it would all be reported properly and then we could, something could be done. As you heard there, the union is calling for a new protection of workers' law, similar to groundbreaking legislation introduced in Scotland in August. Kent Online News. Canterbury's MP has told the podcast she doesn't feel residents in the city have been listened to and is sad it will be losing its street market. You may remember we told you last month how councillors had voted in favour of a £1 million regeneration of St George's Street. That means the almost 700-year-old market will have to go. Rosie Duffield has been speaking to our local democracy reporter, Jordan Ifield. I think it's really disappointing that over 2,000 people signed a petition to keep the market and the council refused to even review their decision and maybe they could have then have consulted more widely, talked to the Market Traders Association and the storeholders themselves, brought them in and said, OK, how do we do regeneration but also include the market and make the market sort of part of the future plans and they refuse to even review it and, and do that and what's disappointing for me is that the opposition councillors who represent the city centre where the market is based were just completely overridden and overruled and those councillors that the Tory councillors that are in the outlying regions of the district some quite far from the area they're talking about just got a say and therefore all the people that fed back into that consultation and the petition are just ignored and that doesn't feel very democratic to me. So why do you think CCC came to this decision in the end? Um, I understand that they want to re, you know, regenerate the area. I think that's a great idea. We need to attract more people to the city centre. We need to get our high streets up and running again. But there are other ways to do this. And they could have consulted with more people. And we don't have to just destroy our heritage and our history in order to attract more money and more businesses to the area. They could have thought outside the box a bit. And I find that this council does do these kind of rash decisions without really taking taking the time to consider other options sometimes and that's really disappointing. You also you mentioned the petition which got <coughs> 2,000 views, uh, yeah. votes as well. Um, Canterbury Council also did a public consultation of their own because mm -hmm. obviously you have to with such a large-scale project and they found yeah. that 66% of people they found um, said that they wanted to revamp St George's Street. Do you think that the market still has a place in that as well? Absolutely of course we want to revamp areas that are looking a bit tired and run down. Everyone would want to do that but not at the expense of our heritage and tradition and you know there's been a lot of talk about gentrifying areas but you know most people without a huge amount of money do find bargains in a market. It's a question of you know we don't want to cleanse the area from kind of the more affordable traders who've been there some of them for generations so there must be a way of getting a balance to do that. I, I'm from Ashford I'll be honest and we used to be a market town in the 60s and 70s and it got moved on I don't know if you know it's not in the Ashford town anymore mm -hmm. it's in an industrial state called Orbital Park and it's still going today. Yeah. Um, do you think that 
again, do you think that it's just not the right time for a market anymore? They're a bit outdated. I don't think so. I think it's really popular. Everyone knows Wednesdays and Fridays you can go down and grab a bargain, but particularly this time of year, you know, we can't all afford all of the high street shops or even to shop online and to pay delivery. Some people want to go and get a bargain, chat to people they've known a long time, you know, get that social interaction. And lots of people support the market still. I don't think it's outdated. Possibly we could look at different ways of, of doing both, you know, gentrifying the area, if that's what you want to call it, but also keeping our traditions. And that's really important. The market will end in 2023 as the road is ripped up and replaced with a boulevard style avenue with seating, lighting, trees and event space. And just to put a bit more context to this as well, from the council's point of view... They say the market this year is set to lose them £39,000 and the regeneration will be a huge boost to the city. The people wanting to build a micro distillery near Ashford have resubmitted their plans. There have been some concerns from people living near the site in East Braybourne that it won't suit the area. It's backed by the man who owns the Rock Salt restaurant in Folkestone and would see an existing agricultural storage building at a vineyard converted into an industrial facility. One of Kent's biggest pub operators has started in installing electric car charging points at its outlets. Shepherd Neem has already opened its first one outside the wharf in Dartford. The Faversham-based brewer says more will be set up across all of its 310 pubs and hotels across the southeast. A little girl from Gravesend has made a remarkable recovery after contracting sepsis due to a bowel infection which left her on a ventilator in a London hospital. Grace Ashton-Jones was born eight weeks early in January last year and was less than a month old when she stopped breathing and was taken to the capital for emergency treatment. Well, her parents are now raising money for the Ronald McDonald House charity, which gave them somewhere to stay while she was at the Evelina. You can find a link to their fundraising on the story at Kent Online. Whilst you're there, you can see what banks that have been closed down across the county have been turned into. Many HSBC and NatWest branches have shut due to a lack of footfall over the last few years, but that doesn't mean their buildings have gone to waste. The Brenchley in Maidstone used to be a large NatWest West, while another one that closed in Westrum is now a restaurant fittingly named the Old Bank. And fireworks may well be over, but there could be another spectacle in the skies above Kent later. The Leonid meteor shower will reach its peak tonight with up to 15 per hour. You should be able to see them as long as it's not too cloudy. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham have been knocked out of the FA Cup. They lost their first round replay at Cheltenham Town 1-0 last night after putting out a pretty young squad and unfortunately picking up more injuries. The Jules were denied a late penalty. His boss, Steve Evans. The better team won the night win, didn't they? There is no doubts about that. But we've probably got three players that would start at a normal eleven. So, and we've got, we're bringing 16-year-olds from at the end to, to try and keep us in cup tie and two 17-year-olds, it's pretty tough. And they're a decent side, they've got good players. But games always hinge on decisions, don't we? We should have been extra time, should we tell me that's not a penalty? I'll look at it. To be fair, the analyst up the stair said it's a penalty, it's clear cut. And, uh, but he's a referee that on the night I think he's been really poor. Um, but going out of the cup, we've got no arguments because Charlie will battle us. As I said before the game, there's a lot of players playing that, that arguably have been arguing about should be playing and could be playing. And, and it's a wonderful opportunity, but they, they didn't produce the performances that says they should be playing when those boys are back, shouldn't they? Don't think they'll be back for a while, but when they're back, then they, you only say they'll get in. We come here and we said, we the boys, we, we don't question effort and determination to stay in the cup. We know we've been outplayed. But there's one team determined to stay in the cup tie at the end. There's also one team determined to go and get second goals, Cheltenham. 
but you can see what they do. We go four up front, they put six across the back. It's it's pretty difficult to get through them. But there's a, there's a big opportunity comes, and it's a penalty. And I think if that happens in any other minute, apart from 20 or 30 seconds to go, I think he gives it. I think it's pretty soul-destroying what we're going through. But listen, we have, to, we have to just get on with it. You know, there is no excuses. We know what's in there, we know what's available, we know what's not. So we're good at what we do. We can't even with kids at 16 and 17 away at Cheltenham in a cup. Meantime, the Gillingham manager has been linked to the vacant manager's position at Stevenage. According to reports, the League Two side are keen to speak with him. He says he found out about it after last night's FA Cup defeat and will be looking to have talks with the Gillingham chairman. We will, of course, keep you updated on any developments with that story. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe news you can trust this is the kent online podcast